On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are handling chaos in the kitchen with the long-awaited UK arrival of The Bear on Disney+, Plus, facing off against the far right with Stephen Graham in The Walk-In on ITV, and investigating a murder carried out by murderous ducks in Wreck on BBC3. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and a podcast that has to officially confess that not only have we still not gotten around to watching season two of Fate the Wink Saga, but we're actually cheating on it with another YA supernatural show. I know, I know, I'm sorry. Uh, however, however, I'm not alone in my televisual infidelity as I have it on good authority that neither of my two co-hosts this week have been back amongst the fire fairies just yet. I refer, of course, to Boyd Hilton and Beth Webb. Have either of you winked in the time since we last gathered? No. God, no. Hey, what do you mean, God, no? This, this Boyd, I would never, says Boyd, who watched every episode of season oh, you one. You all keep saying that, but yeah, I will get around to it. Is it Supernatural, <laughs> the other thing we do? Well, no, the other thing that I've been watching is Boyd. Ah, the other I thing thought you we were talking about what we're reviewing I've this week. I've been watching. Of course, of yes, course. Yes. yes, I've been watching a thing. Yeah, of course you have, yeah. A thing. A thing. So yeah. when we get to things we've been watching, it'll be a thing that I pretty certain I can't talk about I'm <laughs> absolutely course. sure it's embargoed of course. so I'm, I'm watching it very early because I'm interviewing someone for it tomorrow in fact um, but it is another YA supernatural show right. and I am loving it <laughs> there are sure. witches and yeah. I'm loving it yeah yeah. Um, we will be reviewing it on this podcast and I will bang on about it endlessly Please. is it the first season of said show? it is okay alright well, maybe we'll allow it. that that would make a nice change wouldn't but it? but I should yeah. say no more okay. banging on about witches that's it me banging on about witches again <laughs> but uh, yes this, this, is, this is definitely the best witch show I've seen in quite some time okay. great <laughs> Great. Anyway, so, uh, what, I mean, I've forgotten how this show works. We should probably get on to what we've generally been watching. Obviously, I've been watching yeah. a thing I can't talk about, which is less exciting than, you know, you might imagine. Actually, do you know what? There's another thing that Beth and I have got screened for, which we also can't talk oh, about. Oh, I know. I thought because, you were talking about that, to No, be no so that was the no. other thing, which is not YA, but it's supernatural. But uh, some screeners for a show arrived in our inbox, and we had this conversation because it came, I won't say what it is, but it came under a code name. Yeah. It said, you've received the first four episodes of, insert code name here. Yeah. And it was a really, like, innocuous word, this code name. So I'm like, well, I don't know what the fuck this is. So I went onto IMDb and Googled it, and there was a show of this name <laughs> that came out in the late 60s, like some weird <laughs> comedy. I'm like, yeah, I did this think this is something I want to watch. So I just ignored it and didn't watch it. And then someone chased me out and said, oh, have you watched episodes of Very Exciting Show Here? And I was like, well, no, no, I haven't had that. And then I was like, do you think it might be that other thing that had a silly name? And it was. Yeah. And it's a very exciting thing. Yeah, you thought it was something of it. And then it came to me, we've just moved to a very big cavernous office. We have, new office. Uh, fancy Swank, new office. And it came to me while I was over at the water cooler. And I was so pleased with myself, I pivoted and just shouted over at James what I thought it was. <laughs> so if anyone heard me just shout out a random like series of words across, or word, we don't know, yeah. across the office. <laughs> That's what it. That's what it was. But I was like, "Oh, oh, it's that, James. It's that." It was. Um, I do think you know, just just as a sort of note to people sending us screeners, if you're going to send the screeners <laughs> of a very exciting new show and give it a code name, an accompanying email maybe explaining. <laughs> the, you know what? The code would be helpful. Disney used to do it. They may still do, for all I know, with their DVD and Blu-ray releases. Do you, do you ever get? I because I used to get sent DVD releases like a, a big Disney movie, and it would yeah. just have the code name on. Really? So yeah, like, a DVD uh, that just says like the bitter. Taste of artichoke, exactly, and it's like it's exactly. like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, hundred percent, right? Yeah, usually like especially Pixar ones, yeah. 
Actually, there was. I've got a friend who works in um, film exhibition, and he says that the reels show up with code names on them. And I can't remember which one he said for Multiverse of Madness, but it was something like Wizard or something. And was it massive disappointment? <laughs> oh, <laughs> shots fired! Was it shit show? Shots um, fired! <laughs> sorry, sorry. The, the one he told me recently was um, they got the Bob's Burger movie through, and it was uh, Code Web was flip. Which is uh, quite that's sweet. quite good. That's yeah. actually a good. But I, I kind of like. I get like they have shooting code names so people don't swamp the sets. Mm. And I even get having you know code names for screeners. But I feel like yeah. if you're sending it to someone, yeah, does it need a code? Because I've I know you've had sort of like very exciting BBC screeners and the BBC portal they've been under a special code yes, name. Yes, that they? So they yeah. haven't told. Yeah. So so people don't think. Oh, look, it's Doctor Who. Yeah, mm. there yeah. are levels. There are. You could really analyze if you really wanted to bore people to death. You could analyze the level of importance that a show is considered by the channel that's airing or commissioning it by the by the extent to which it's difficult to actually work out what the fuck's <laughs> going on with the screener on it. So yeah, like BBC, they may assign everyone's got their their um their own login for the BBC screening system, but often you're it's assigned to you in your own special area, yeah. your content, your content area. Uh, sometimes mm. it's, it, it, sometimes each a show gets its own special login. You can't even use your own normal login. They give you a different mm. login with a different password to get access. That happened quite recently with a, with a big show and I can't remember which one it was um, and so yeah and similarly with Disney Disney has two different portals yeah. they, they have Disney the debut for, and they, then they, the regular one the other one <laughs> yeah. it's like you can't even decide which yeah. fucking portal to use no, debut is like the really exclusive yeah, the stuff really exclusive goes one. on the debut yeah. one you have and to everything sign else an electronic thing for yeah. twice yeah. Yeah. before you've worked out which <laughs> multi-factor authentication oh system to work I mean don't get me started this is the best conversation I have started I will say while we're in incredibly niche screener tour I will say the BBC screener site has now got an HD option. Have you seen this? No. So it hasn't. I don't know when it came I in, but that I only noticed it recently. But if you start playing a thing, because I've always bemoaned a little bit that BBC yeah, screen is all in standard definition and it isn't good. But if you now play them, if you if you click on the button, there's a cog at the bottom of the screen. If cog. you click that, you can switch it to 720p. This is a revelation. I know. And I was like, this is amazing. I could have watched Line of Duty in HD. I actually was complaining about this very topic. Well, maybe I, that's why they did it. I went to For a you. I went to a screening of a show this week and um which is gonna be, which is on the BBC, and I actually complained about to the to the producer it's about saying you know the BBC thing the good thing about the BBC thing is they assign stuff to you very easily yes. and it's quick and yes. I love all those it's people easy to use. but mm. technically it does pixelate so mine conks out after about 53 minutes almost every single show I watch it's um, an hour long show it just stops it just at 53 stops, minutes okay. and I have to restart it <laughs> <laughs> but, and it, but it's all in non-HD for that beautiful every show mm. drama beautifully made to see it on a tiny you know on a little mm. box on your laptop and not in HD, yeah. but the, so the HD thing so is a now you have, but it's only 720p. But even that, like Still. that's great. Like I will say, you know, obviously when you watch the screeners for Netflix and Apple, it's all in 4K, which is just yeah, just right. Delightful. That's what you want. Yeah. But, that's uh, what I was saying. I was saying to them, you know, yeah, Netflix. You just watch it on your Netflix thing. Yeah. Best, best for losing the world to live as Let alone listeners. <laughs> listeners are going, what the look on my fuck face. are you privileged twats talking <laughs> about? to my tiny laptop in my own The show that I'm watching before everyone else is not in high definition. It's like, yeah, we are the worst. I, yeah. I can only apologise. <laughs> we are. It's mainly Boyd. He's the worst. It's mainly me. I'll, yeah. take, I'll take all the blame. It is Boyd. He's the one who's complaining to producers because, <laughs> oh, because he can't see stuff in HD. No, 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 no. I was explaining because it was a joy to see this, this show on the big screen with a big sound system. I was just saying. Yeah. You know, that's, I was being 
something actually positive. Okay. Like, <laughs> okay. So what in SD or otherwise have you been watching? Well, funnily enough, it was this was the, I might as well say what the, it was industry. Mm. So as well as um, watching it um, myself in time from Main Street with Harry Lorty in last week's episode of this very podcast, uh, there was a screening at the new. Have you been to the new Sony HQ in Paddington? Yes, by it's the great. Way? It's very good, isn't mm. it? It's very lovely swanky. screening room. Lovely we're back screening on screenings room. again. Yeah, it's very swanky. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Bullet Train there. If you oh, wish there to know. you go. <laughs> but it's a great screening with a beautiful sound system, and they uh, they screened the first two episodes with the cast and crew. Mm. Um, so it was just int- I always uh, so I just kind of went for the you know, and then nibbles and stuff. <laughs> I met everyone, and it was a lovely time. Um, but I've since watched the rest of the series. I've watched the whole of all eight episodes of this series of industry series season two, which are all on iPlayer because they didn't, sometimes BBC doesn't make it crystal clear where they're going to put the whole thing box set, a whole series. Mm. And I don't think they did with this show unless I missed that um, announcement, but it's all there on iPlayer now. And I was up till 2.30 a.m. last night. That's how compelled wow. I was. That's very carry on watching. industrious oh of you boys. Thank you very much. Oh um, and all I can say is even more on top of all the praise I gave it last week in time for the Harry Lord's interview bit it's so good it's like one of my favourite things now and the step up from season one to two is astonishing because series one was very much like it established the vibe of these drug taking sex rampant people <laughs> young like people <laughs> yeah making millions of pounds in their you know bank in their yeah. swanky bank um, and it definitely set that scene brilliantly and you definitely got you got to know that whole world but this time they've ratcheted up the storylines. It's got proper detailed plot lines and subplots. It you, you find out much more about the core cast of characters. They they all kind of very cleverly they they have you ways of meeting their parents or their family members or people who are important in their lives. They do it without it being clunky at all in any way, and that just deepens the whole thing. And it's still incredible, incredibly good fun, um, and it's still got rampant um, rampant sex and nudity and drug taking constantly on absolutely throughout the whole thing but there's something about it that's just so well done and I and, I, and I, as I kind of repeat the thing of the revelation of watching it in the screening room was the sound design is so clever and interesting and if you've got a big TV and sound design the way they incorporate on the shop floor of this bank little quips made like you can in the distance on the other side of desks and stuff is so it's so clever it's like Robert Altman films back in the day um, so it's a fantastic show yeah and, and it really the st- it all kind of entwines into different so one character is now getting into politics another's dealing with a massive billionaire guy and his son is being tutored by uh, Gus's character and something happens with them it's just and it all intertwines very cleverly and yeah. by the end of it, it it's really smart and clever how they've kind of brought everything together brought all the characters and situations together and you're gripped by the whole thing so industry brilliant favourite thing at the moment uh, Karen Peary I finished which is also all on ITV Hub mm. another one where they didn't say that they didn't tell me that they were going to put the whole thing <laughs> as a box set <laughs> on ITV Hub but they have um, so people can enjoy the last two episodes um, actually episode two went out last week episode two goes out um, probably went out the Sunday after it would come out I think or no is it the following week anyway whatever it's brilliant mm. and it resolves phenomenally a brilliant brilliant tying up of the of the um, solving of the mystery have you watched it? You're nodding like you've watched it. Or you're just no, nodding. I haven't watched it. You're just humouring yeah, no. me. Okay, I am humouring you. Yeah. Um, so Karen Peary, still brilliant. Dharma, I've watched more of, as in Jeffrey Dharma. Did you actually? Uh, yeah. You know why? Because so it's called Dharma Colon Monster Hyphen the Jeffrey Dharma Story. Yeah, just to yeah. remind you of the terrible title. Terrible. But someone picked me up on Twitter specifically about my damning of it last week saying look it's really well written well acted you don't know what the fuck you're talking about have they listened to this podcast I know (laughs) but I am so weak 
Beth, that you if someone picks me up on Twitter about something, I feel I have to kind oh, of boy, deal with it. And so I watched more episodes. And I have to say, and I also read various reviews that pointed out that one episode, remember last week I said in the in the press release for it, or the the kind of blurb, the official Netflix blurb, it says talks about how the series is taped from the point of view of victims mm. and it foregrounds. I mean, that is absolutely not the case, except for one episode, which is episode six, which absolutely does foreground. It's all about one of his victims, who is a black, deaf gay guy. Oh, um and he's he, absolutely it's his story that episode but the rest of the series doesn't do it at all no. and it's like that it should, if it had been like that which is a very very clever well written uh, absolutely episode very well directed and um, by Paris Barclay um, then I would have been fine with it it's just the rest of it that I feel is is really clunky and um, just too much too much of the Ryan Murphy over the topness for this subject matter you know have you seen they've removed they've been asked to yes, remove the LGBT yeah Keep us, uh... I have mixed feelings about that, to be honest, because uh, the reason well, I, I was... explain explain what it is the thing is before so you tell, it, tell me your reasons. Yeah, go on. Okay. Well, it's just it's just in the news that the Netflix, you know, they categorise mm. their shows. So uh, they've removed that category. They've removed that category from this show. Because, oh, from this show. Okay, yeah. fine. Which is very like a hashtag, isn't it? It's like the equivalent of yeah. yeah. And my the reason why I've I can see why basically LGBTQ plus people complained and said, you know, this show. Isn't, it's not a show about gay people, it's about a, a serial killer who happens to go. Actually, but the fact is that pretty much every single character in the show is LGBTQ, mm. is, is a gay man. I mean, mm. it's about, it is about a, a gay male serial killer and his gay male victims. Yeah. So I think, in a way, I don't have a problem with that particular, yeah. in this particular case. And I don't, th- I don't think, I don't come away from the series thinking, oh, it's, he's a psychopath. Because he's gay, or then it just happens to be gay. These happen to be his victims. Yeah. This was his sickness, you yeah. know. But getting back to my kind of feelings about the series, it's such a. Sh- you watch the episode and you think this is what it could have been, you know, mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And because that is a very, very accomplished episode. There are a couple of others. Gregor Racky directs an episode who are kind of quite oh, a big. What? Yeah, I know. I love Gregor. Yeah, Racky. same, same. I, love him so I know, much. I know. And you know, he and it does make a difference. I, I didn't, I couldn't work out because he directs the seventh, the eighth episode, and I couldn't work out. But by the way, I finished the whole thing. So I mean, you know, this <laughs> often happens. It's like fifty hours long. As I well. know it's ten episodes, <laughs> ten fucking. And so this often happens with um, with this stuff. Ryan Murphy stuff is that I I kind of go oh this is ridiculously over the top and exploitative blah 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 but then I do finish it and then I find <laughs> things to say that are good about it and yes the act, all the performances are great I, yeah. I, I agree with that it's def- Evan Peters is really good even though we've seen him do this. Richard Jenkins playing his dad I mean, Richard Jenkins is brilliant he's a brilliant oh, yeah. actor yeah he absolutely plays his dad. not denying the, yeah. the, the Molly, of the Molly fucking Ringwald yes you know. I, someone was saying this in the office uh, yeah. last week so they're all great I admit that I just it just leaves it just uh, there's just something fundamentally, I think, wrong-headed about the whole approach. Ick. Generally, that I should be say. a category on Netflix. Ick. Wrong-headed, wrong-headed, <laughs> no, wrong-headed. Yeah, Ick and wrong-headed. Oh, to be fair, with you, it should be Ryan Murphy, wouldn't it? <laughs> it should be every Tag it, Ryan Murphy. Just be yeah. overflowing with yeah. Ryan Murphy. Show. Anything Ryan Murphy-esque. Yeah, and and one more thing, I'm finished yet. Uh, James, sorry, so you're going to have to no, no, go space on. for a, a bit more. Um, is I finally got after loads of people telling me and us to watch this fucking show. Don't hug me, I'm scared. <laughs> the Channel Four <sighs> puppet slash 
whatever we you came want to call so it. close to reviewing we that did. one week. Yeah. yeah so I've been yeah. explaining that to our listeners online on, on Twitter and it was put back because of the Queen's funeral basically thank God um, <laughs> where they decided all the channels decided that they couldn't possibly show a comedy so yeah. they put it back which meant we couldn't review it because there was so much to do the following week I have watched a couple of episodes and this is the cult phenomenon of the moment I would say yeah. on TV um, and it is like I mean every, this is not an original this is a very cliche way of describing it but it's what everyone is saying it's like the Muppets meets David Lynch basically yeah I think that's fair and it's based on it started out on as a YouTube thing by the three creators um, Becky Sloan and Joseph Pelling met as fine arts students at university and they got to go with actor writer Baker Terry and the three of them created this web series on they put on YouTube mm. um, starting in 2011 it's a long time yeah, ago yeah um, and it became a crowdfunded hit those those it's basically puppets. So one character is is a man in a in a big tall suit in a kind of like a like big bird. Is it is that the character big bird in Sesame Street? Yeah, the big yeah, bird. The big bird character. <laughs> big bird. What is happening? Sorry. Um, and basically, the duck, a man in a furry in a man in a furry suit, basically. And the other. Are two we talking about the show Wreck that we do? No, reviewing no, those no, no there are. It does have things in common. Yeah, right. indeed. Um, the, so one character is a man in a furry suit and the other two are puppets. The red guy and yellow guy puppets. <laughs> the word for this show, James, is unsettling. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's absolutely not for children. And um, it, it, it's basically, I, th- I feel like the whole concept, my interpretation is that they're highlighting existential traumas or even even traumas is a strong word existential ideas that we all experience so for example the first episode is about going to a workplace they all get jobs they're sitting around at the beginning going we're bored we don't know what to do so why don't we get a job and they all have to adjust to the and world they of work a <laughs> they start a podcast start a podcast and it all goes horribly wrong um and it and it does make quite interesting observations about what work places do to you and how, um, you know, certain characters establish in, in real life. You know, in the workplaces, they're going to be a certain sort of person, a colleague, and you get pressured to do certain things. And then another episode is more about family life and what family, the institutions of the family do to you. So it's kind of like, so far from what I've watched, it's like how institutions and essential parts of human existence have quite a profound effect on you. Mm. Told through very some quite told through puppetry and Sesame Street slash Muppet style um, visuals, very colourful, bright kind of kids TV style visuals, but with a very dark edge, and that's where the David Lynch stuff comes in. So there might be, and the way it's directed, it might be like a corner of a room, like a shot of a corner of a room with a character at the character in in the background of it, yeah. clearly influenced by. It's absolutely no way. It's not accidental. I've clearly influenced particularly by David Lynch. There's a little bit of like League of Gentlemen in it as well. I think. It's, yeah. So, yeah. so just to be clear, yeah. you are trying to sell this to me. Not to you. Oh God, no. It is You're an not animation it. inspired it's not an by animation. David Lynch. It's not animation. It's not his puppet. It's, oh, puppetry. Wait, no. it's, it's like, puppetry. Yeah, it's puppetry inspired by David Lynch. Yeah. No. Do you not like David Lynch? I do not. Have you never liked a David Lynch I l- film? No. Okay, okay, okay. I have liked some David Lynch films, though not many of them. I very much enjoyed season one of the original Twin Peaks. Yeah. Second season is is, is yeah, flawed, dodgy. but I yeah. still quite like it. Yeah. The Return can absolutely oh, yeah, jump you hated into the, the scene because yeah. it's pretentious wank yeah. and I cannot stand it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but other than that, you know, I've yeah. got no problem with him. Yeah, no, it's not animated, so you could, you know, don't worry about that. But it is definitely... Um, Twin Peaks puppetry, effectively, yeah. 
with, but with start interesting stuff to say. So I, I, my verdict, if anyone cares, is that I can absolutely see why it's become a cult phenomenon because it's very edgy and clever and smart and, and, and trying to work out what the fuck it's trying to do and say. Mm-hmm. And it is some of it's very funny and, it's, and it is very dark and people love funny, dark stuff. Yeah. It? It's so, yeah. Yeah, they do. That that is that concludes the <laughs> boys and what I've been watching uh, hour for this week. <laughs> it really was an hour. Beth, I'll would you sp- like to do hour number two? I'll speed through, <laughs> shall I? I've got one episode of Grace and Frankie left. Oh yeah. So I've absolutely coursed through that one. Um, industries on my watches, but I just couldn't. I was at my threshold this week because I watched all of one of the shows we're reviewing which is incredibly intense and high stress levels so it's on my to watch this and then I watched the first episode I I don't know if you reviewed this in one of the weeks I wasn't here but it's been going for a while now but how to with John Wilson is now oh yeah I mentioned it we didn't review it but I mentioned it you did mention that was it and I watched the first episode of it and I found that stressful and um, could only manage one of those (laughs) Um, so far so tested the water I do really like it it was recommended by a friend of mine because he sounds a little bit like David Byrne yes he does um, yeah. and I love David Byrne so I thought I'd give it a go and people like Jamie Dimitri have given it like glowing recommendations yeah. so I watched the first episode got too stressed gonna come back to it <laughs> that's me it okay. is quite stressful isn't it yeah, yeah it is Yeah, awkward and weird and not as conceptual as yeah. the rehearsal because it's going for that uh, Nathan Fielder kind of comedy Yeah, but yeah Oh, James has just paled and wilted. No, that was that was that was that was <laughs> mercifully short. Um, <laughs> and so I, I should I want to mention two other things. One, I finished uh, watching the Old Man. I got screeners for the rest oh, of those, yeah. so I've seen all of the Old Man now, which is obviously ongoing now on Disney Plus, uh, and it is great. People will enjoy that. It's ha- it has got a second season. It does obviously. It, it's not. I would say a stat like it's based on a novel but it's not neatly wrapped up in season one you do need a season two I'm pretty certain uh, and uh, they're getting one so that's good mm. but yes excited to see more of that hopefully season two will not take three years to make which season one did but uh, looking forward to more of that and also I should point out now as we go out as we as we launch into the world on Monday episode seven of House of the Dragon will have aired. Oh, now, yeah, that's a good point. I know people who've seen episode seven. You've seen the, I have not. Why haven't, we, why haven't I been sent episode seven? Uh, I don't know why I haven't been sent it either. But I do know Furious. Empire's <laughs> Helen O'Hara has seen episode seven and she what? said it is the best yet by a substantial margin. Wow. So as we go out, people will know whether or not Helen is full of shit. So... <laughs> We'll find out. But what I want to say is, like, as we record this, uh, this is the week that episode six has gone out. And episode six is, of course, the time jump mm. episode, where we jump forward 10 full years. We say goodbye to Millie Olcock, who had up until now been the best thing in the show. And uh, this is the bit, and we talked about this about on the live podcast when someone yelled at me for spoilers, although it wasn't a spoiler, when I was saying that Millie Olcock is so good that my initial reaction to seeing Emma Darcy was very negative mm. because I was just like, I cannot deal with this show not having Millie Alcock in it anymore because she's so good. But actually, I think Darcy's first scene, which is the childbirth scene, is so raw and so hardcore that actually immediately you realise that Darcy has got real chops on her and that, that, that they're going to be really good in this role as well. And uh, so actually, I think it goes a long way. And also just the idea of that, that uh, that character has given birth to a child and then her stepmother essentially says, Bring me the child. Yeah. So immediately after having given birth, she's got to carry this child up a flight of stairs and stuff. Like, it's really, I mean, it is hardcore. And then the other stuff that happens in episode six, not spoiling anything, not going to say anything, but there is a whole thing involving a dragon and bloody hell, 
That's a lot. Especially, it was very nice to watch that properly because when I first saw that, when we reviewed it for the live show, you hear the sound effects and it just said, insert VFX here on the screen. (laughs) And I was like, I kind of think I know what's happening, Mm. but I could be wrong. So it was nice to actually see that play out. But uh, I'm loving House of Dragon. I think it's fantabulous. So. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, I did slightly wonder whether it was—it was entirely necessary to, to to recast Millie Orcock. Millie Orcock is—I'm just looking it up. Actually, she's 22. Yeah, right. It's a 10-year jump. Yeah, but you think they just give her a couple of crow's feet? She's supposed to be 15, 16, right? In in the show, when it jumps. Mm. I mean, so she can she could a 22-year-old could easily play a 26-year-old. It just seems because, of course, the older characters aren't aren't. Still remain the same cast, right? Yeah. It's just the two co- the two young friends, female friends who are recast. Everyone yeah. else is the same actor. Yeah. It just, I just thought, yeah, I just wondered whether they really needed to, to be done that way. They could have aged them up, you know. Maybe. But, I think if Nicola Coughlin can play a sixteen-year-old <laughs> right. at thirty-two, yeah, yeah. exactly, that's fair. 30, exactly, a twenty-two-year-old can play it. A... Yeah, because it is really jarring. I, initially, I, I kind of, um, so I watched the episode again as well, and um, it is jarring. It's weird. It is. She's so she's so brilliant. But but equally, Emma Darcy is very good. Yeah, it just takes yeah. time. To it is it is good stuff. It is good stuff. And right. Now I have to conduct a full inquiry as to why I haven't been sent episode seven. Indeed, indeed. We will. Find I haven't out. asked for it. I tell you what, if we were doing pilot bingo on this episode, we'd be pretty far in by now. We've had the the discussions yeah. about HD yeah. and four K yeah. and screening privileges. <laughs> yeah. and now you say you say it's watermarks. Yeah, it's no like point. an entitlement special. Yeah. yeah, we have not mentioned intrusive watermarks though, so we can leave that for another. Oh, episode. I mean, <laughs> what is the one? <laughs> There is one that is your whole name. Yes. What is which one is well, that? Do you so, know which one? So, yes, Amazon. It's Amazon. It's Amazon. Right. Yeah. I just, uh, I'll just double check. The prime, the prime ones have your whole name in the middle of the screen because they use a, a yeah. like media silo for it. Uh, also, I will say of the two Disney ones, Disney Debut has your name in massive letters, whereas the other mm, one doesn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No. Now it's Andor. I'm thinking of. It's Andor. Well, yeah, yeah. Disney debut. Yeah. Massive yeah. name. Massive. All over the screen on that. Yeah. Yeah. One of our regulars is going to be screaming like. Bingo <laughs> yeah. That's right it. Now. Bingo. Like, we bingo. We got them. Yeah. The entitlement bingo card is full. <laughs> we haven't even reached the uh, question. No, we section. haven't reached the question. Let, in fact, yes. let's get on to the pilot TV post bag. And I wish to begin this the week with. Bag. Sorry. That's it. That's yeah. the name. It's no, the name section. Know. The Bible TV Does anyone write in, in like, you know, actual right longhand? With Only serial killers no. do that, boy. Well, I'd like to see that. It might come. I'm going to start with Paul McGinley. Now, Paul, Paul, you have slid unbidden into my Instagram DMs, which directly contravenes my instructions about applying, you know, for this particular and section. So, Paul, Paul, him. Paul, don't maybe come down there. I'm yeah. serious. Like, you know, DMs on Twitter. Pilot TV pod. Anyway, he's come into my personal Instagram DMs and he has said, Hello, James. Similar to your alleged snobbery towards ITV dramas, I find myself getting increasingly snobbish and annoyed at the way people view Netflix as the only streaming service. Mm. And I resist watching anything currently trending or in the top 10 viewed Netflix shows, like Stranger Things, Squid Game, Better Call Saul, as I don't want to watch what other idiots are watching, (laughs) like Dharma. Am I alone in having this attitude? Um, This is very you. Yeah. Did this you guy. just write this under yeah. an alias? No. Well, good spirit. I was a Paul. Maybe that's why I sent it to my personal DMs. Uh, he thought it would resonate. Mm. I mean, I see what you're saying, Paul. <laughs> but no, no, I think you're on your own. I think, I think, does anyone think of Netflix as the only streaming service? Yeah, I, I know what he means. They do. Because if you, do you know what? There was a thing the other day on the radio that I was listening to where they were talking about, um, Streaming services, blah blah blah. Why were they talking about it? I think there's some some. Um, I think they might be talking about what's in the top, te- what the biggest show of the week was, or right. something like that. And a, a member of the public 
wrote in and they not read the public. Read, and they were like, the problem with all these Netflix shows, and they hadn't mentioned one Netflix show. <laughs> so they were just kind of including everything, like yeah. from everything from House okay. of the Dragon yeah. to Lord of the Rings. And Netflix. they were like, it was all Netflix. So it just are some people for whom Netflix is like the brand. Yeah. yeah. It's the you know, Hoover of vacuum it's the Hoover, it's the, mm. I always yeah. bang on about this. It's the Apple of yeah. TV streaming service. Everyone thinks, oh, well, I've got an app. Everything's made by Apple, you know, because yeah. it's the dominant thing and the trendiest thing. And because of the phrase Netflix and chill, yeah. you know, it's not Amazon and chill. That's code for sex, kids. Just in case you didn't know that. <laughs> it's definitely not Paramount Plus and chill. And by the way, we've got news on a new renamed <laughs> streaming service coming up any minute now. Yeah. No one is Paramount Plus and chilling. No, that is not a thing on Tinder. No. Although, actually, if you watch American Gigolo, you probably yeah you might be Paramount Plus um, that's true yeah uh, so I totally get that yeah people do reduce sing everything to Netflix and yeah. it must be fur- I always think how furious must Prime they Video be they got there first you know, fair play to them I, and the other thing I'm always surprised that Prime Video has never re- re- renamed their streaming service because it's such a it's such a kind of weak brand isn't it Prime Video well they have changed the name of it a few times which I don't think ever helps uh, yeah. like you know I, I mean there's I, now Amazon Free V as Amazon well. Free V there's, yeah. pri- and there's Amazon Prime, Prime. Amazon Prime there isn't Prime Amazon Prime it's just Prime Video yeah even though uh, they are, even though yeah. Amazon Originals are still called Amazon Originals yeah. on Prime Video even though they're not right even though they're but, but obviously Amazon has the benefit that people get Prime Video I think just because everyone gets it for the postage on Amazon and then you get the TV as a bonus I think a lot of their subscribers probably don't come there for the TV they're there for the postage you're right have you been by the way, to the Amazon um, uh, grocery store near our new office. No. Oh, there, there was one of those in Camden, you know. Have you been in one? Was there? Yeah, there was literally one in Camden House, oh. up towards Short Farm, where you go in and you yeah. just steal whatever you want and you, then it charges you. Don't, you. You, don't, mm. you, don't, you just literally go yeah. in, you gather all the things you want, you have to, so you have to kind of like log in with your phone or whatever, with your Prime, Amazon Prime account. Sorry, this is a diversion, but I'm so, my mind's blown. Yeah, I, I, the place, and you just pick up what you want. They've got everything there. They've got magazines. This got, is, you are currently the pensioner staring in wonder at his know, Oyster card, it, aren't no, you? It's amazing. Hold on, you go into this shop, pick out everything you want, and you leave, and, and you pay for it somehow. But the thing is, colleagues of mine who went in there like two days ago still haven't been had they been charged. To the, I'm not sure Free if this is working. Excellent. I'm just saying, everyone. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, beside the point. All right, you can edit that one out. No, no, no leave it in. Leave it in. This is a fascinating oh, wow. insight into your mind. Um, yes, uh, but what was the other point? Oh, yes, he was saying he doesn't like to watch the stuff that's trending. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I very you. I mean, it is a bit me, but I'm, I'm, I think, I think you should use it as a kind of shorthand. Like, if stuff's trending, it means lots of people are watching it. And sure, a lot of people watch reality TV. So, what are you going to do? But, uh, but some of the things on there will be good. Like, for example, Fake the Wink Saga was probably trending the week that it came out. It, do you know the person who? Um, had this as a real syndrome was Terry Terry Wyatt. Oh formerly. yeah, well that's she, why she yeah she yeah, wouldn't watch, she wouldn't watch yeah, the Sopranos yeah. and, the, no, and the West yeah. Wing and you know whatever. anything that was critically acclaimed. Yeah. She refused and to get, get on it. any kind of bandwagon. I get it, but then again, it's a bit but, like ridiculous. I feel if something, if everyone says something is good, yeah. generally speaking, that's a shorthand to oh that might be worth my time. Yeah. Like that's it. It does turn, often turn out to be dudes though, doesn't it? It's like middle aged men like me kind of banging on about you know the Sopranos or whatever so that I can see Fair. that adds to the irritation it is good though Sopranos it's not bad no, no it's true it's, you know. it's not bad it's it's right. Rolling Stone did a poll did you see this week oh, of no, the greatest it? greatest um, TV of all time I'm not surprising Sopranos was number one which it isn't but it's which I think it's madness. Simpsons is number two which also isn't either. also isn't yeah. either sorry but yeah. it's alright uh, uh, and I've forgotten I've forgotten <laughs> playing what we've gone all over Beth, the show well, Beth so. was about to say we all know the number one is The Wire that's what Beth was about to say exactly what Say. No, I was going to say that my exception. Um, well, I mean, we're we're not really in a position to answer that question, are we? Because we kind of have to watch stuff as and when it comes out to be part of 
the TV conversation yeah. so that well James doesn't have to do it James doesn't give a shit but we, yeah. <laughs> we and he used to run a TV magazine but hey. we, yeah. we have to be part of like make sure that we're catching up on things that are especially newsworthy or have big talking points in it so we kind of have to watch the big buzzy stuff yeah. but the times when I thoroughly enjoy being part of something is when something like Yellow Jackets comes out so when you're on the WhatsApp groups with the various groups of people hypothesizing and wondering what the next big twist is going to be and you know having like <laughs> very specific to me having this amazing conversation with um Kate Heron about Yellow Jackets and what might happen in the second season and when you get caught up in the mystery and there's like conspiracies and it could go any which way and you're really addicted to what might happen next and there's part of a big conversation where you can do something like that collectively when really now you don't really watch anything altogether do you? No, you don't get so that much. sense of mm. Things like Line of Duty and stuff that still drops week to yeah. week sure I've, That's the dragon to a certain extent. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. And power. I did love that <laughs> that video where someone had filmed that apartment block and they were all watching House of the Dragon at the same time because the lights were all changing at exactly <laughs> oh, yeah, at the same time. Yeah. A whole apartment block. And they're like, everybody's watching the show right now. Um, but usually, you know, it's it's like a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Because you watch it whenever the fuck you want to watch it. You're up watching Industry at 2.30 mm. in the morning. Yeah. You know, but you lose that sense of, of community and, you know... Mm. kind of chiming in and oh my god did you just see that kind of thing you don't get on the landline anymore you, you need it. someone I do I, I know there's certainly like when you watch something you just want to text someone and go oh my god mm. like I will say when, this is just ridiculous while watching the witch thing at whatever time it was at night I immediately went onto Twitter and like messaged the show <laughs> was like, what the fuck did. is going on? Uh, I was, yeah, because I needed someone to talk to about it. No. I was just like, so you went that, to the show. There was no way. Yeah. That's like a name drop. That's We're back to the primitive section. Usual. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, that, the more we think, talk, we talk about this whole question. Actually, I'm completely the opposite too. Who was it? The, the listener who wrote in? Paul. Oh, uh, let's Paul go, Paul. It was Paul. I actually, really thinking about it, I do look at the Netflix top ten, and because obviously, I, I'm looking at it from the point of view. Oh my god, why the fuck didn't we get to review that show? That suddenly got to number one that <laughs> yeah. no one knew about, like Dharma or Squid Game, Jeffrey Dharma. The Dharma of Dharma. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't know about that show, and suddenly it was their number one um, on on the chart. So I actually, I'm actually drawn to check out stuff that's in their chart rather than avoiding it in that kind of uh, narky way. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on to question number two. Uh, this one comes from Guy Brasher, and he says, "Has anyone on the team seen We Hunt Together?" I think Boyd mentioned it in dispatches once, but it feels like the sort of show that Pilot was designed to draw attention to. With obviously limited funds, they've done everything they can to make high quality peak TV show. I think Beth would appreciate, especially as every time Hermione Caulfield is placed in the typical female in peril scenario, because her character is a psychopath, she is always intrigued or amused, which is rather refreshing and entertaining. So, something to do with you, in particular, Beth, liking female psychopaths. I, I lost the last part of that, but uh, we hung together, you guys, I think we reviewed it. We reviewed season I one. I wasn't on on that episode, I don't think, so I, I think you did it without one. me. We reviewed series one, to be fair, which came out in 2020. We didn't review series two, which was this year, May of this year on Alibi. Um, I think it was a busy week. Um, and also, we're obviously, our priority is always brand new things. But I really, I did like season one. It's it's a genuinely weird um, kind of crime thriller. It had to, definitely had an odd tone to it. And the cast was brilliant. Babu Cisse, Hermione Crawford, as mentioned, Eve Miles, who I love in everything. Colin Morgan is in it in season two. Um, so Vicky Pepperdine's in it. 
Um, yeah, really good people. So, and I and I like the whole kind of off off kilter tone. Yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm I, I, but I just haven't watched season two to be honest. I need to I need to have a look. Yeah. I haven't I have not seen that. We've got another one here from Pablo's Vault of Horror, and he says, "How how do to the Pontius Pilots?" Very good. Uh, he goes, "He's treated some of us individually and clearly been ignored roundly, uh, but he wanted to mention it's kind of like a banshee, Mister In Between on Disney Plus, which oh, a lot of people yeah, a lot that. of people yeah. have mentioned this. Australian, of, yes, that's right, yes. that's right. Uh, it's uh, Australian comedy drama about a hitman slash fixer called Ray. Uh, yeah. yeah, I did mean as, as someone. Yeah, he probably messaged, messaged me a couple of times, and I did say that I would watch it. Like, I haven't got around to it yet. To, to be honest, it sounds a bit like Barry to me. It does a bit. Yeah, Australian hey. Barry, and of course Barry is the great Bazza. It's Bazza. Yeah, that's what Australian Barry. <laughs> what would be. a brilliant! Um, oh my god! <laughs> what version of the Australian Barry that Bazza. was? Yeah. Your Australian accent. Um, right. Yes. No, I need to check it out. Definitely oh, it's directed it by Joe Edgerton's brother, oh, wow. Nash Edgerton. Wow. That's a good name for a detective, oh, Nash Edgerton. Nash Edgerton. Oh, there we go. All right, then. Colour me trees. Oh, okay. I've just had an exciting, exciting letter. I see, I do this, like, it's, it's, I do this live. I just, I don't prepare these things of us. I'm just going through the... <laughs> as, really? I, I mean, you must certainly didn't realise. I'm shoving these random things out of my arse as we go. But I just thought, oh, look at this. I got, we've got a message from just L, And L says... I'm a fan of the podcast and have been following your conversations about Kunk On with interest. Oh, yeah. As I am one of the experts interviewed in the latest series. Oh, amazing. I don't really use this Twitter account, though, and prefer to keep it anonymous. Uh, okay. Oh, no, I think I, I can read it out. I just can't, I can't give this person's Twitter handle. Okay, okay. I just thought you might like to know how it's all done. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but all of the experts are absolutely in on the joke. The producers are open about it being a comedy show when we're invited on. One professor has even tweeted a copy of the invite. Uh, the idea that experts don't watch television and have never seen or heard of Charlie Brooker or Diane Morgan, or that we, despite being researchers, wouldn't research the show beforehand, plays into stereotypes about academics being disconnected from reality, which is what makes the show funny. In fact, most of the academics I know love Kunk and have it as something of a career goal to be invited on. We we don't know, however, what questions she's going to ask, and so the challenge is keeping a straight face, which is a lot of fun. I'll take it as a compliment on our academics' acting skills that so many people seem to be convinced that we don't know what's going on. So there you go. But, right, that is fascinating. And there was a Twitter thread by a uh, woman who'd been on the show as well, who's a professor, saying that she was told that it was a, a comment that she was being sued by a fictional character, blah, blah, blah. So that's definitely the case. My question is, has that changed over time? And when, when, when she first did the character, Diane Morgan did mm. Kong, I'm sure some of them weren't told that it was, I'm sure it was done in the, in the old allergy style. I'm, I, I have to check. I'm saying this completely off the top of my head, but I do, I'm pretty sure. I think it's different now because people, more, more people do recognise them. But I think there was definitely a time when, and I met when they didn't, not necessarily everyone interviewed did know. So they had some quite famous kind of politician types and I'm pretty sure they weren't in on it. I, I don't think they were. Mm. I wish I'd been to the, there was a, there was an, a BFI launch of this series that I was meant to go to and I was ill and I couldn't make it. I'm so annoyed with myself that I didn't go because they explained obviously the whole workings of the show yeah but it is fascinating point it, it, it is fascinating. and apologies to to allegedly damn academics and say that they wouldn't have watched <laughs> mainstream TV was it you who said that well, no, so. it's, it's what she said wasn't oh, it's it? she, she oh. said it on the, the, the Adam Muxton podcast oh right so right. Diane Morgan yeah. said that okay. but thank you to our anonymous academic for pulling back yes. the curtain and showing us how it all works that's very very exciting uh, I've got another one I've got another one here this this message here comes from Derek Sharkey and Derek says why no chat on Yellowstone why no awards for Yellowstone I I think it's the best TV show in years, far better than Better Called Saul. Thoughts? I mean, 
I haven't watched it. Well, it's a phenomenon. True. It's a phenomenon. Like, Taylor watched... Sheridan owns half the world yeah. because of this show. So. Yeah. I've watched, I watched it from the very, very beginning. I watched a few episodes and I did quite like it. It just didn't grip me instantly. And um, so I haven't, I, mm. I, I, I do feel, Yellowstone is the show I feel most bad about not having kept up with or even followed through do you think with it's because from... you once described it as succession for republicans <laughs> a little bit but i have no i don't worry about i don't have a problem with that because republicans are entitled to have their own drums i'm not even sure if taylor sheridan is that way politically inclined Does anyone ever oh, I, have no asked idea. Him? I don't I've think so i doubt no it um and he's by the way taylor sheridan as a writer i think he's a brilliant talent i think his films are fantastic by and large so i for every and i love kevin costner so for every single reason i really need to catch up with that show and i am Appalled with myself. Well, I haven't. I only ever watched episode one, and I felt it was like b- brothers and sisters with Stetsons. So That's I didn't. Fine. Brothers and sisters was yeah, good. I mean, it was fine. But <laughs> and I watched a lot of brothers and sisters. There you go. But I, I loved 1883. But I've, mm. I want to get back to that. That yeah. I was really enjoying. Yeah. But I, the original Yellowstone it just felt a little bit. Like, mm. But I look. I, I like. I remember. So when I interviewed uh, Kate Mulgrew. Captain Catherine Janeway. Of course. Uh, she said to me, she said, you've got to watch Yellowstone. It's the best thing on TV. Like She was obsessed with it. And if Catherine Janeway yeah. tells yeah. you to watch a show, you should probably watch it. So I will attempt to, to get Same, yeah. I just, part of me is the fact that I'm going to now be swept up in watching because I haven't even, I'm not, I'm not having advanced very far um, in my other uh, own rewatch or first time watch of various shows. So I, I need to find time for it. Yeah, basically. Last question we've got time for this week from Thomas Emmett. I don't understand this one, but maybe one of you two will. <laughs> James Dyer may not watch reality TV, but I think he's secretly moonlighting as the alien deity drag queen Cheddar Gorgeous on BBC's Drag Race UK. There's a strange <laughs> resemblance. Okay, I've well, heard we've all got that to... word, that name circulated in the office quite a lot. I don't actually watch it. Cheddar Gorgeous. I don't know who Cheddar Gorgeous is. We're, uh, we're live Googling. Are you Googling Cheddar Gorgeous? Uh, I mean... Yeah. Is Cheddar Gorgeous just bald? Is that yeah, is that what we're saying? That's essentially right. it. I guess a bald drag queen is quite a. I mean, it's a brilliant um, pun on Cheddar Gorge, isn't it? I mean, it's, we'll brilliant, that. it's not bad. It's um, not bad. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> just holding it up to Jay. I'm not <laughs> sure there's a strong similarity other than neither of us have hair. I know, like facially. I actually I can see it. Put it this way, because I'm bald as well, and it definitely looks more Cheddar, like me. Cheddar Gorgeous looks more like you than me. She so if I put like, some um, raspberry eyeshadow on, perhaps. That's a very specific shade to go for. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Rosemary looks more like Anya Taylor-Joy, to be honest. In like right. a, in the best way. Yeah, Maybe right. if a sort of weird... Cro- I don't know. But- I think we're done with the postbank <laughs> section. If you would like your thoughts, comments, questions, or ridiculous <laughs> drag race... <laughs> comparisons read out on this podcast please do send them to us via dm on twitter at pilot tv pods and we will pick them up there right let's move on to news and before we get into news which i'm sure will partially involve tudum uh let's talk about the trailer for the last of us which did air and was perhaps the greatest thing that has ever been on the internet don't you agree (laughs) (laughs) no because murray Bartlett wasn't in it so right no. Why was it so good? You because it's us. like you can see the scenes from the game. There are moments I was like, ooh, done that. Ooh, been there. Ooh, seen that. And it looks marvellous. And so I, you know, I wasn't 100% sold on Bella Ramsey as really? Ellie. Yeah, just as Ellie. Like, right. I, she was great in Game of Thrones, but I just I didn't see her quite as Ellie. And then I watched Catherine called Birdie. Yeah. And now I'm I'm a convert because right. she's so good in that. She's wonderful, uh, yeah. And I was, because I, I wasn't, she, she has a very small part in his dark materials, but I didn't necessarily sold on that. But 
Catherine Colbert, great. So yeah, I'm I'm once again on board the Ramsey train. Mm. Uh, I'm heading to Ramsey Street, if you will. Oh. Um, but uh, but yeah, this this was an amazing trailer. Pedro Pascal doesn't have the density of beard I would associate with Joel generally, but it's Pedro Pascal, so you let it go. Uh, it was a great trailer. It was great. It was great. Yeah, it looks it looks pretty terrifying. That yeah. shot of the monster, the which I'm like, oh god, is that Marie Bartlett? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't think Marie Bartlett's a clicker. <laughs> uh, you don't know that. I don't don't know that. No. Um, but yes, it looks it looks very exciting. It looks very sad and somber. Oh yeah. Oh, you have no idea. Strapping for that, <laughs> and I. Um, Melanie yeah. Linsky, who's a brand new character. Oh, She's that's yeah, that's really exciting. Did you see that great tweet? No. Thread that she was on where someone said um, about the casting news in The Last of Us, Melanie Linsky are coming through for the homosexuals that love her. And <laughs> she put back, thank you, love you too. And then some put, the heterosexuals love you too, Melanie. And she said, I'm less excited about that, but thanks nonetheless. <laughs> so that was great. Um, yeah, that's very exciting. I mean, a lot's happened since our last recording. Tadum happened, which obviously dropped yeah. a whole wealth of. Um, stuff that looks very exciting some Witcher news which I've forgotten but I'm sure you haven't um, what else did we have well okay so so Mini Driver joined the Witcher Blood Origins so that was exciting yep. and we have a release date which is Christmas Day which frankly is quite irritating from a podcast scheduling perspective Netflix <laughs> but you know we'll deal with it uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's their big Christmas tree, is it? Yeah, it's the new Bridgerton. Speaking sure. of which, there's a Bridgerton spin-off coming as yeah, well. There is, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're gonna get we're gonna get the Witcher Blood Origin on Christmas Day. That was announced. You got its uh, got it uh, got its date. So it's been broken into two chunks. So you season four part one is coming in February next year, and then uh, part two is coming in March. So end of February, then end of March. I don't want to be harsh about Witcher Blood Origin, but I'd much rather they'd have given us you on Christmas Day than that. Frankly. Sorry, beginning of. February, beginning of March. Uh, 10th, in fact. 10th of February, 10th okay. of March. But yes, uh, no. no. What are you talking about? No. I mean, don't get me wrong. You, but you, okay. <laughs> That's sending you into a tizzy. You sent me into a tizzy here. Like, do you know what? I see what you're saying because yes. you has that yes. slightly weird Christmassy, totally. you can be doing other things while you're watching it kind of vibe. Whereas I get what you're saying, boy, you need 100% crystal razor sharp attention for the Witcher Blood well, Origin, I mean, which maybe like on Christmas Day you're not prepared yeah. to give it. Yeah. So, okay. Did you Fair. see the, the initial announcement footage of you season four, which looks so odd and yeah. deranged but yeah. the main takeaway from me was we got to see Charlotte Ritchie for the first time yeah, in season four dressed as well I could only assume and I love this it looks like if Oregon had actually grown up <laughs> stayed with horse riding yeah. and become I assume as psychotic as Pen Badgley's character um which is amazing. I hope she gets to do some really awful, twisted things in this. I think it's wild casting, but I think it, it will work really well. Yeah. So yeah, that was very exciting. Um, what else did we get? Lots of Bridgerton oh, stuff. 21st, we're going to get Emily in Paris season three. <laughs> Silly. Yeah. Um, they didn't announce, there was a couple of annoying things um, that they didn't announce, which was, um, they, they, did, they didn't announce a couple of release dates for certain things, which mm. which which really annoyed me. Like uh, what? What upset you, boy? Things that I obviously can't remember. Yeah, I was going to say, you've just gone around in circles about being I have, because I was going to say, well, I, I know, I know, I know what you mean. I'm sure Warrior Nun Season 2 will get a date <laughs> oh my God, very, still very wait. soon, but they have not as yet revealed. Yeah. Still waiting for Warrior Nun. Do you know that Alba Baptista, who plays the Warrior Nun, she is in this week's Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. 
as a, as a model oh, for Christian film. Dior. Yeah. All right, excellent. True. Is that a film you've bothered to see? In it's time a film I've bothered to watch. Yes, absolutely. That rare, rare, rare occurrence where I watch a film. Yes, yeah. it happened. Yeah, I'm busy trying to find the thing I was looking at. So the Crown season five has got a date yeah, as well. Yeah, that has got a date. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's coming uh, in November. So it's yeah, November the 9th. More fucking Ray and Murphy. The watch is coming out. Oh, the watch. Now that looks, I'm excited about that. The watch looks good, I have to say. There's some Ryan Murphys I do get excited about. All right. Um, and that is one of them. Uh, Lupin! Lupin! That was the one I'm talking about. Lupin! They, they, had, they had a teaser trailer, but they didn't tell us when it's going to fucking arrive. And I am desperate for the return of Lupin. I still haven't watched Lupin. It's, oh, it's so much fun. You've got such a treat in store. You're going to love it. It's I've I yet to even watch Winx season two. Like my oh, watch list is long. No, Lupin's more more enjoyable than that. Oh, one for us. Dead yep. to me. Final season, yes. November seventeenth. Yes. Very excited oh, about awesome. that. Dead to me. Dead to me. With oh. um. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to just stop talking. Everything's just left my mind. It's but, like me. It's not just me. I'm glad no, it's, it's not, not just, just me. You. I'm glad younger <laughs> members of the society <laughs> forget names as well as I do. <laughs> So, yeah. Dead to Me, a show which stars people, will be returning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack Ryan is returning oh, as well yeah. to Prime I, Video. I mean, so, excited about that. File under, does anyone Also really coming on care? December 21st, so going head-to-head with Emily in Paris, season three. Uh, Jacques <laughs> Ryan, season two, is coming. Uh, so, that's exciting. <laughs> Jacques. Jacques. Jacques Ryan. I think this might be one of those ones that only you care about. No, be. John Krasinski almost certainly cares about it as well. My thing is, I, I, I can't believe John Krasinski devotes this much time and energy to this show that <laughs> no, is no. just, like, fine. He's a busy man. He's a busy yeah. man. Yeah. Well, I liked it. I love him. It sounds like a lot of people are watching. It if he's staying on. That's right. Yeah. Dead to me. Christine Applegate. There we go. James Marsden. Yes. I was going to say Fiona Apple. Then I was like, <laughs> Fiona no, Apple. That's, that's not it, Beth. <laughs> no. No, it's not that. Uh, it's a really good show. Yeah. More exciting than any of that, though. Interview with the Vampire has got oh, a yeah. second season. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. Which is very, very what exciting. What streaming service is that on? Remind uh, me. It is on AMC <laughs> in. Oh, so I think it's US. been announced, has it? Where no, it's I don't come to know here. where it's coming here. So. Uh, who knows because the weird thing about AMC is there is an AMC channel in the UK which mainly shows like a lot of series that were kind of cancelled like three years ago and one of the Walking Dead spin-offs but I can't remember which one this is terrible some people are going to complain about this but um, yeah it's just weird but not all AMC most AMC shows like obviously Breaking Bad and um, Biblical Saw went to Netflix and a lot of them end up in Netflix um, So, but yeah we don't know when that's that's a huge thing I'm really excited about that because I, I used to love those Interview with a Vampire books and I even quite like the terrible film the slightly terrible film well okay Interview with a Vampire yeah, I love the film. It's one of my favourite films. Is it one of your favourite films? It's literally one of my favourite oh, films. Oh my God, it's not that good. Yeah, the Neil Jordan film. I love the score <laughs> by Elliot Goldenthal. When I watched it, uh, um, it a couple of years up? ago, yeah. I think. Okay. I watch it a lot, like okay. a lot. I was obsessed with it at university. Oh. And I love it. It's flawed, but it's 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 brilliant. It's absolutely, it's beautiful, beautiful film. Everyone involved in that film hated every second of making it and yeah. it shows, but yeah. it's just, it's glorious, this sort of Baroque Gothic masterpiece. It's, it's wonderful. Baroque Gothic masterpiece. Yeah. Wow. Well, Much like it. myself. Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Is, are there any other news or are we done with news? Um, hold on. I actually wrote a list somewhere. Now I've forgotten. Chat Ryan done that. Oh, yeah, this is Taika Waititi Time Bandits thing. Do you know about that? Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Lisa yes, Kudrow's yes, going to be right. Yeah, she yeah. is. Yeah. It's one of those ones where it's been in the works for ages but I feel like so many of his projects come and go because he's a busy man yeah um Exactly. And th- there was this whole thing, there was a Stars Play event this week that I was supposed to go to but didn't. Apologies to <laughs> anyone cares. But they've mainly announced that Stars Play is rebranded as Lionsgate Plus. What? Oh, really? Yes. Yes. 
So, um, literally, um, See, if, in 35 countries, including the UK and Canada, the rebrand will roll out. It's already rolled out. It rolled out on September 29th. So now, yeah, whenever every review a, a Star Star show, show, it's in fact a Lionsgate, Lionsgate Plus. Plus show. Who is subscribing to Lionsgate? Is Lionsgate Plus still only available via Prime Video? I believe so, yes. So it's still incredibly it's convoluted. Offshoot. It's like a channel within Because no one ever video. really understands how to get Stars Play. Like no. When you say Stars Play, like, what the hell is that and how do I get it? it but you kind of, if you are, a, like, I get it, it's on my, if, if, you, if you use Prime Video, it's yeah. kind of there in your menu and you just kind of click on it. Don't you have to pay extra for it? I don't know if you do. Maybe, I'm not sure if I do. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe normal people I know do. you don't, boy, but do normal people have to pay extra I for it? I think maybe they do, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's confusing. It is confusing. It right? is confusing. All right, all right, all right. Let's move we'll on. We have so many good shows. The Great. Sorry. <laughs> oh no. Fine. In fact, we had a message. We had a message. One of the ones I didn't read out, which is like, is anyone watching The Great? Because you the know, Great it is, is really, really good. Yeah, it's on Channel Four at the moment. Yeah, um, it is very good. Channel Four's also showing that um, not very good. The Nicole Kidman, um, you know, uh, people. Which one? Being... Not Perfect Strangers. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the yeah. Channel 4 yeah, yeah. Like, why have they so chosen it's, that yeah, it suddenly comes to the Channel 4 the thing that wasn't as good ago. as The White Lotus yeah that's right yeah. that's right God. Yeah. well that's news isn't it we should mention The Empire New Shift Empire you got your brilliant White Lotus set visit yeah so uh, the article. day we're recording which is Thursday the yeah. new Empire's come out featuring a very emotional interview with Boyd and Jodie Whittaker who oh, yes. he made oh, cry yeah. in the oh. first five minutes he comes across he does as such a nice man Boyd <laughs> put him on a Zoom and he will reduce you to tears yeah that's true instantly. no I think it's, it's, it's the emotion you of made Jodie Whittaker cry I did you're yeah. a horrible man I know, I know it's the first line of the interview it is yeah, I went straight in um, Beth did a, a White Lotus feature in which she made mm. Murray Bartlett cry yeah, so that was, yeah. that was nice but she made him cry <laughs> but no do you remember it, pilot listeners I don't yes. know if you remember but I had to do a recording of course. From, from the set of the yeah, White very swish hotel I wasn't allowed to say where I was or why I was there but I good, good lord did I have to tune in to do my pilot recording so yeah. I was looking out on this like beautiful seafront while James and Boyd were in the corner on the laptop screen and we were talking about God knows what but yes I got to go to Tyamina in Sicily and go to the White Lotus season two. It's very nice. Fun, cool, and spoke to Jennifer Coolidge and But that's coming up, isn't it? The White Lotus season two is like end of the month. End I of cannot October. wait. Yep. It's gonna be feisty. Yeah. It is indeed. Right, let's move on to the reviews, lest we all die in this pod booth. Uh, first up this week, we have The Bear on Disney+, Plus, which it feels like we've been waiting literal months to see, mainly because we have. Um, <laughs> this one stars Jeremy Allen White as an award-winning haute cuisine chef who finds himself inheriting his dead brother's sandwich bar in Chicago. Uh, this one features a man yelling at a group of people in costume and describing them as, and I quote, incel 4chan Snyder Cut motherfuckers, which is perhaps the best line in the history of television uh, and immediately makes it my show of the week but let's get into this and who better to talk about the bear the bear all covered in hair than our very own maiden fair mr boyd hilton <laughs> oh, that's quite that's one of your funnier intros thanks um <laughs> Uh, talking of to be on that show. Yeah, <laughs> talking of confusing streaming services, this aired originally on FX on Hulu. It didn't air on FX or Hulu. It aired on FX, FX on, Hulu. on Hulu. Yeah, which is I mean how fucking confusing <sighs> these things. Just in brackets. Yeah. Um, this is yes. It's, it's this is one of the most acclaimed I would say shows mm. of the year mm. from America mm. in the streaming world. That has taken an unconscionable amount of time to arrive. It aired in June in the states, um, and it does star Jeremy Allen White, who is lip in the American version of Shames, but. Another brackets. The American version of Shame is still going, yeah. like ninth or something season, yeah, and apparently it. really good. Yeah, I've watched. I've watched the 
the first two episodes of that, and it, it was good back then. Um, so he's that's he's plays Carmen Carmi Bazato, also known as the Bear, who is partly known as the Bear because his surname is Bazato, but he also dreams of bears as well. And one, in fact, the opening scene is him having a nightmare about a bear, which is some kind of personification of his issues. He is a talented young chef who has been working his way up in a New York proper exclusive restaurant yeah. where he's basically been bullied as we see in flashbacks by the his boss um so he's he has to go to chicago because his brother has died and um his brother ran a basically a kind of beef meat based kind of diner <laughs> slash cafe restaurant but a very much a kind of low rent working class place to eat as opposed to the highfalutin hoi polloi place that he'd been that uh, the main character um, had been working at so it's kind of an interesting it's a really interesting premise and that what would it be like for this guy who's been in working in this very very um, exclusive world so you're saying it's like if Gordon Ramsay got a job at Nando's exactly right exactly and in fact the restaurant where he goes to is very much like a a restaurant featured Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares which I'm sure you're an avid fan of absolutely late night on Channel 4 I often end up watching Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares where he goes to in America he goes to these places in America that run often by families and groups who've been there for decades as they have in this case in this show and the hygiene is terrible like the kitchen's full of like dead mice and you know and it's horrendous and this very much it feels like one of those places so he comes in with his not only just basically trying to get the staff who've been there working there decades most of them and the main guy who runs it who was the dead brother's best mate um, to buck their ideas up. Certainly cousin, what, isn't he a cousin? Your cousin, cousin, you're right. And cousin, cousin and best yeah. friend, both, yeah. He He's like, who the fuck are you to come into this restaurant and with your big ideas, wanting to change the meat, the, the beef roll things that they make? <laughs> and um, and Jeremy Allen White's like, no, I, you know, you're all like, the hygiene is appalling, which it clearly is. And so it's a kind of culture clash, foodie yeah. thing, and also a kind of familial, it's got familiar, his sister's there, sister does draw they just sell the fucking restaurant because it's a pain yeah. in the ass, and he to to whoever and he wants to keep the restaurant and thinks he can kind of you know kind of as tribute to his late brother. So it's got a low whole load of things going on. Bottom line, it's really really good. I think it's 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 got. I I I found I found that premise fascinating. I think its use of flashbacks, which I always bang on about, is this in this show it's valid because that contrast between the posh restaurant he worked at and this place is so interesting. Um, so I really enjoyed it. He's great. I mean, he is phenomenal. Um, Jeremy Allen White, I think, and everyone in the cast, like the the cast of characters who work in that in the place. I keep, keep trying to get. To, oh yeah, the original Beef of Chicago Land is the name of the restaurant. The people who work in the original. Beef of Chicago Land are really interesting, funny, believable, authentic. It just rings true. It's one of those shows that, as I often say, within the first five minutes, you kind of believe everyone and yeah. the situation. And I'm compelled to carry on watching it because I think it's a, even though it's not like driven, it's not heavily plot driven, but you do want to know how it all turns out and how they're all, and how they will, I'm sure, end up working in a place that is much better and serves much better meat based product <laughs> than the original one. <laughs> Yes, this is probably my favourite new show of this year. Wow. Um, I mean, I was, I've devoured the whole thing. I've watched the whole thing. I've wanted to watch the whole that thing since. That sounds exceptionally stressful. Yeah, this is why I was watching the industry this week, because I was actually oh. just hunkering down. I could not get through this fast enough. 
could not get through it fast enough. It's extremely my shit. Like, extremely <laughs> my shit. It's kind of got this, like, Safdie Brothers edge to it in terms of the aesthetic and the editing and that high intensity and the way the characters all look like you could literally just bump into them on the street. Yeah. It's very natural casting and it's absolutely brilliant to see some of them already getting, like, deals and casting out of this. Jeremy Allen White's already had two projects announced since this two big film projects um i really love kind of anthony bourdain and his view of kitchens and working mm. in kitchens very down and dirty onions in your eyes shared your fingernails kind of on the floor scrubbing with your elbow grease and then the whole complexity of cuisine and the kind of restaurant industry service industry and what that means and the hierarchies and the shorthand and that whole insular world I just found fascinating and it just really plummets you in through this guy through Kami who um there's there's uh it's been circulated quite a lot online but i implore you to get through there's a he does jeremy allen white does a seven minute monologue in the final episode of this which cuts right to the very heart of who this character is um and it's absolutely blinding powerhouse performance it's just brilliant but he's like this very straight guy very strained and stressed and has these like panic dreams dreaming about bears dreaming about in the first episode I don't think it's a spoiler to say he has a dream and he sleepwalks but wakes up and he's cooking things in pans um, and he's just consumed by this job and pushed for all the wrong reasons but really wants to be a good person and try and revolutionise kitchen and then he has this wonderful mentee um, called is it Sydney Sydney, thank you. And then he's got this wonderful mentee who comes in off the street and they have this incredible mentor-mentee um, dynamic. She's extraordinarily talented. She's a brilliant performer as well, Ayo Edabiri, um, who's a writer as well. I think she's going to go on and do great things. It's just absolutely brilliant it's hysterically funny as well the cousin um who's ebon moss uh back crack is that how i'm saying his name who was in girls yes. he was in late seasons of girls the rapport that he has with Carmen, he's a shit as well <laughs> he's like a, he's a real bell end in this but he's wonderful um the, but the rapport they have is fantastic oliver platt comes in as their uncle um and they have like this whole party episode where they have to cater for a party and that's really funny and then i'll i'll shut up in a minute but there is one episode i think it's episode six or seven and it's such bad timing but it's a one-shot episode which would have been so brilliant and cutting edge except Boiling Point came out earlier this year the Stephen Graham film Um, so it is kind of going in that same but that one is wild that's like a jazz score but an episode of television like it's just astonishing I'm pleased there's a second season but there absolutely didn't need to be I just think Everything about this was absolutely wonderful. The way the relationship with food, the dialogue around food, what it brings out in people. Oh, I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. I don't know what else I can add to that. It was incredibly good. Uh, I will say that watching this and then watching Stephen Graham as a reformed neo-Nazi in The Walk-In was weird because this obviously brought Boiling Point to mind so strongly. Although I will say, I think Boiling Point for me was just the wrong side of the stress line. That Boiling Point was almost an anxiety attack in in movie form. Mm. Whereas this, it's really stressful, but not 
quite at the level where it's unwatchable, you know, where it's yeah. almost like you almost think, I just need to turn this off because it's just killing me. Mm. Whereas actually this sweeps you along. The, the dialogue in this is absolutely unreal. Yeah. It is perfectly yeah. written, but it's believable that you believe people can speak like this, but also it's people can speak like this if they were much, much... It's like the Sorkin thing, isn't it? If people were incredibly yes. witty, and yet it's really believable as well. Mm. Like, it feels really, really authentic. Like I say, that, you know, incel 4chan Snyder Cup <laughs> thing, that is genius. And there's just moments in there where obviously he comes from a Hope Cuisine restaurant, so he calls everyone chef, and so for the rest of it, one of the people just calls him Jeff, because she thinks that's what he said, <laughs> yeah, which is brilliant. brilliant. Uh, it's funny, it's stressful, it's like you want to know what happened in the relationship with his brother and why is he here and what's going on like you're instantly invested in this but it's not plot driven it's all character and dialogue driven uh, and I love it and so I think the reason why it was critically acclaimed should be abundantly clear uh, but the bear then which comes to he says desperately playing for time Boyd Disney where Plus come? Disney Plus Wednesday yes, only that. the 5th of October Wednesday the 5th of October next up we have Wreck on BBC3 a six part comedy horror show that stars Thaddea Graham and Oscar Kennedy and is set on a cruise ship where a murderous mallard is stabbing members of the crew. Beth, how many ducks did you give about this one? <laughs> Wreck, or as I like to call it, Vigil colon Freshers Week. Um, <laughs> That's good. good. <laughs> Let's just say I'm not giving anything away with this, but the first five minutes, having gone into this completely blind, the first five minutes of this had my attention <laughs> which it held for the whole first episode of this show because i mean it's even a shame that we have to say it happens on a on a cruise ship because there's this brilliant quick pan out reveal where there's some like something happening and you think it's one thing and then it just whizzes out and you're like oh my god it's a cruise ship um which is just brilliant yeah this is um this is batshit television. <laughs> like this is this was something I knew nothing about. There was a lot of um I'm in and Aaron about what to do this week and I was just like, yeah, all right, I'll watch I'll watch Rack, I'll go in. Um but it's just crazy television. It's a kind of uh, yeah, there's this sort of thriller through line where a young woman's gone missing off the back of the events that happen in the opening segment of this. And so there's a young man in this this Oscar Kennedy is Jamie. He is um tasked with trying to find out what's going on. Meanwhile, he's infiltrated the workers on the cruise ship. There's this very like cult-like feel to the employees, and you know, you kind of buy into this lifestyle when you go on the cruise ship and then within the crew there are all these like politics and hazing and some shady kind of again like freshers week hazing stuff which is pretty gnarly um and meanwhile yeah there's this big fucking mallard going around offing people on the ship um in a way that is like kind of parody horror but also kind of grisly as well um I had a lot of fun with this, to be honest. I thought it was sharp. It's got Harriet Webb in it, who was absolutely brilliant in Big Boys, one of my other favourite shows of this year. Um, it's got this really, like, Benidorm feel to the kids in it who work behind the scenes and have these big parties and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's got this kind of fun teen murder mystery thing kind of going throughout it. The world is really interesting. It's very poppy kind of... E4 music kind of aesthetic to it um, yeah it's just really good fun and had the real element of surprise I think if you can go into this not like knowing very much about it you will have 
a really good time with this. It's just it's just fun. Yeah, I thought kudos to um, the creator who uh, Ryan J. Brown. I think yeah. this is his first. TV commission TV show, but just the the premise of a kind of slasher style horror thriller, who done it set aboard a gigantic cruise ship is just that's it. That just yeah. it just works because yeah. you're in this confined, although even though it's a massive, massive ship with like all like there's a whole world below deck that is like gigantic. There's a, a tattoo guy in episode two arrives, or episode three, I watched a few episodes, um, who seems to have his own little kingdom, oh <laughs> another God. part of the ship. Um, it's divided, there's almost like entire mini societies within the overall crew yeah. of the ship, let alone the actual customers and yeah. the, the paying people who tr- just have dif- difficulty just getting a cocktail made because all the c- crew are so involved in various mysteries and whodunits and, and undercover operations. So... Just showing that world cruise ship, it's a fascinating world, I mm. think, um, of the cruise ship. And, and I'm sure it is true. In fact, I know a couple of people, I met a couple of people who worked on the cruise ships, like singers and performers and stuff, and it is an insane is one of them Tom experience. Jones? Not, sadly, not Tom <laughs> Jones, no. Not quite as big as that. Um, so it's a really clever setting. And uh, it is a, trying to do comedy horror, I think, quite by and large. Yeah. I think it's more successful in the comedy. I think it's funny. And particularly, as you mentioned, Beth, the um, Harriet Webb's character, who mm. is this absolute tyrant, yeah. who runs the ship, basically, even though she's actually number two to in terms of like the officers. She's a kind of ruthless, monstrous, bullying yeah. <laughs> woman. Oh, but yeah. she's really funny. And she's full on that performance, yeah. as you'd expect from Harriet Webb. She's yeah. brilliant. Um, Jack Rowan is like the um, Noughts and Crosses Jack Rowan as the kind of like um, hot guy who's clearly slept with most of the female yeah. um, colleagues in, is really interesting and Thaddea Graham and Austin Kennedy make a really good double act as the kind of him, he's investigating what the hell happened to his um, sister who's gone missing and then he meets um, Thaddea Graham's character and they kind of join together to, and they're, they're like the Sherlock Holmes and Watson yeah. almost <laughs> of the piece and there but I thought the whole thing was stolen by a guy called character of Cormac played by Peter Claffey who is stowing away basically in in yeah. the same cabin as Oscar Kennedy's character. And he's this gigantic hunk <laughs> who spends almost the entire series in his pants. Yeah. <laughs> and he's very funny because he's like a lunkhead doofus, yeah. but he's really funny. Yeah. I just thought it was huge, as you say, fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's well made, it's frothy, it's got an interesting, as you say, visual kind of dynamic to it, but it's really entertaining. Mm. It? it has that kind of thread of part scream, part I know what you did last yeah. time, I think, where, where the killer is like a non-speaking person in a stupid costume, yeah. exactly. and you get those kind of things where the person, someone, one of the victims is just casually talking to them because doesn't realise what's about to happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's got a real streak of absurdity to it, and the yeah. tone is wacky and stupid, but it is quite fun. It yeah. is quite fun. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 very self-aware. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, oh, yeah. the scream thing is complete. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, certain characters and situations are literally taken from scream. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. And this is BBC Three Boyd. It is BBC Three Sunday, the fifth of October. It begins at ten o'clock on you know on the channel, but I think it'll all be available as a box set on that day. That is Wreck, which isn't one, which is good. Yeah. Finally this week, we have The Walk-In, which stars Stephen Graham as a reformed neo-Nazi working to take down the far right. This one's based on real-life events uh, about the rise of the far right in Britain, including the murder of MP Joe Cox. Uh, Boyd, tell us about The Walk-In. This is a kind of extraordinary project, really, because for, for, for lots of reasons... Um, 
One is that, very unusually, this was only announced that they'd even made this show, I believe, a couple of weeks ago. And it then, and, and, and you know, like the press release was sent out saying, and this so will start on Monday, as it does, um, Monday, the whatever, the 3rd of October. Mm. And it was, nothing was revealed about it prior to then. And I think part of the reason for that may be of security, of worries that, you know, there may be reprisals. I don't know. I'm just, I haven't, I haven't that's an assumption on my part. Um, but it's a fascinating, but crazy. ITV, I mean, not only have they given us recently, you know, Karen Peary, for example, a brilliant, highly, completely superior crime drama. This is a massively ambitious, difficult subject yeah. that touches upon, as you said, that tells the true story of how, um, of the murder of Joe Cox and how um, that extreme ultra far right groups are involved in that kind of stuff and how and it tries to trace how people how young white mostly men but how they're radicalized by by these kind of mentors almost in this far right world and by just absolute bullshit conspiracy theories about jewish people about muslims and you get to see in quite a i think cleverly written um and well performed and directed um show jeff pope wrote this who is the king of true life stories turned into fiction. You know, he wrote A Confession, he wrote Little Boy Blue, big TV true crime dramas. He wrote Stan and Ollie, he writes with Steve Coogan, he wrote Philomena and Steve Coogan's new film, I think he co-wrote with him as well. He's an absolute genius, Jeff Pope, and he's a really lovely guy, by the way, as well, at taking difficult, problematic, real-life stories and making them into drama and making it believable and authentic. And he's done that yet again with this. And I just wonder at how he did it. How did they feel? Because they had to film basically neo-Nazi gatherings and rallies somewhere. Yeah. And you thought, how, I, I mean, I'd just like to see the making of this show yeah. as much as I am fascinated by the actual show itself. Because yeah. how difficult must have been people assuming that actual Nazis were holding forth in, in, in terrible speeches about Jewish people, etc., but it really, really is fascinating. Um, it's got a great cast. Obviously, Stephen Graham. I mean, perfectly. And he's also co-producing, I see, mm. which is interesting. A perfect project for him because he's playing um, a guy who is, who's a, a reformed character but who is now um, on, the, on the side of trying to sort out these people and trying to expose these extreme far-right maniacs. And um, he's in it alongside Jason Fleming's in it. So they're back together again from Save Me Too and Save Me. Uh, Dean Charles Chapman is really good as a younger, very, very just terrifyingly charming um, member of the, one of the far-right groups who gives a speech, an absolutely appalling speech, particularly mm. about Jews, which is like a nightmare. Mm. Um, but these things, these things were said and done. And of course, the whole... It's intrinsically interesting to have people trying to go undercover in these worlds, in this world, and trying to expose them from within. And that is obviously another huge element. That is what a walk-in is. A walk-in is someone who is sent undercover within these extreme far-right groups to expose them, to find out and deal with them and bring them to justice, basically. So, I mean, I was instantly gripped, instantly kind of in awe, really, that this is, as I have to emphasise once more, for the snobs in the room, an ITV primetime nine o'clock series dealing with an incredibly important issue in a really bold interesting way. And one more thing I quickly want to say is it completely foregrounds, for example, Brexit in the title sequence mm. and mm. throughout as, as being something that was certainly there at this time. And I, I, be, I believe an increase in far-right incidents and how you may well connect that thematically to what happened in this particular story. Brilliant, really. Yeah, I mean, I think anything that comes with Stephen Graham attached these days is what really warrants a watch. He's one of the finest was well, one of our finest 
actors, uh, but definitely television the last few years. The stuff that he's, the breadth of what he's put out and the quality has always been pretty faultless. Even if the show itself hasn't quite kept up, he's always been like sterling. So for him to come on and, and champion and something he really cares about as well. Mm. I mean, it's a bleak watch. Like, yeah, it's it a tough is, watch. It's an important watch. I do have to just assume that this was made with the uh, backing of Joe Cox's yeah. family and people I hope it was um, but yes it was very gripping his performance I mean basically it just dangles over you in the beginning something pretty radical had to happen for him to change so I think that is kind of what's drawing the plot along at this stage you know he's trying he's reformed he's coming back but I'm sure it will show at some stage kind of what it was that made him pivot so um cleanly in another direction um but yeah it's terrifying it's really terrifying it's really bleak it's it's obviously on our doorsteps and um yeah i um yeah i just found myself shocked and moved and it's um yeah I, i'll probably carry on with this because you should do you know what i mean it's one yeah. of those like things where you're like oh you should really it's very it's very close to home it's very important yeah it is it's a difficult watch it's a difficult mm. watch because again i think it's quite chilling because it hits close to home yeah because you just you see that you know the political climate is quite volatile and it's it's difficult but stephen graham could make anything watchable yeah. just absolutely anything oh yeah and it is it's a very compelling thing and just to see behind it and you know but grounding it in like because obviously Joe Cox uh, her murder is in the first episode and it kind of, that really because it says at the beginning this is based on true stories mm. it's based on all kind of research it's been meticulously put together but you don't really necessarily feel the realism of it until that sequence, which is something we all know, we all read about, we all saw, you know, mm. the reports. And that makes this feel very real in a way that just talking about far-right groups who you may or may not have heard of, it does not. Yeah. Uh, so after that, I think that it kind of, it really does command your attention. Mm. But an incredible dramatic piece. And as Boyce said, it's amazing. This just dropped out of absolutely nowhere. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm not going to say, and it's on ITV, but it is on ITV. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's great. It's yep. very good indeed. And when is it on ITV, boy? That's the question. Uh, Monday at nine o'clock. Monday at nine o'clock. Right, we are running out of time because I have a meeting, but there are many, many other things out this week. So we should say on Paramount Plus, on the third, Coyote, which is the Michael Chiklis thing where he plays a border person or retired border person, uh, which aired in the States a while ago. I can't remember whether it was good or not because I've not seen it. But anyway, that's on the third on Paramount+. Plus. The Walking Dead season 11C, which is the home stretch for The Walking Dead. That comes to Disney Plus on the third as well. Uh, also out Midnight Club, which is the new Mike Flanagan with a slightly YA bent to it. Uh, that comes to uh, that comes to Netflix on the seventh. We weren't able to review that this episode because it was embargoed. We may or may not discuss it next week. We'll see how it goes. Other things that were embargoed. Let the right one in based on the movie uh, and indeed the remake let the what was it, was it let the let me in which was the remake yep. the Ying Sang's remake uh, that one comes to Paramount Plus on the 8th as well which is exciting but was again embargoed so we weren't able to do that as well and I believe Boyd am I right in saying that a friend of the yes. family is on Peacock yes. on the 7th correct which is the Anna Paquin Colin Hanks show uh, which again looks quite bleak and hard to watch but, uh, but that one's coming on the 7th as well and I think that's most of everything uh, I'm just checking, I'm just checking. Uh, yes, maybe you're right. Yeah, that's you summed it up. Well done. Sorry, one more thing. Ralph and Katie, which is the yes, spin-off from the Katie, A word, course, which yes. is brilliant, I have to say. That starts on BBC One on Wednesday at nine o'clock. And that is the characters of Ralph and Katie played by Leon Harrop and Sarah Gordy, um, who have Down syndrome. And this is a genuinely groundbreaking show in which is known which is written mostly by people with disabilities. It's about people with disabilities. It's very clever and funny and smart and entertaining. And I would urge everyone to tune in. Ralph and Katie, that's Wednesday, BBC One, nine o'clock, and primetime BBC One. I mean, it shouldn't be 
be groundbreaking because this kind of yeah. thing should be happening. It should have happened years ago, but it is. Yeah. Indeed. All of our pick of the weeks is the bear, let's be honest. <laughs> so let's just say... <laughs> Yeah. That's it for this week's show. Give us all your five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice, and you will be rewarded, if not in this life, then almost certainly in the next. Please do follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pilot TV Pod and individually on at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Beth K. Webb. On next week's show, we'll be joined by show trial Celine Buckins talking about her new show, The Ex-Wife, and also Sharon Horgan. She's going to be with us to talk about the final episode of Bad Sisters on Apple TV+. And hopefully we'll be able to talk about The Midnight Club and some of the other stuff that we've been under a gag order over this week. Uh, plus, we might get to see Shantaram, which is based on the book that anyone who's been on holiday over the past 15 years will almost certainly be familiar with. Uh, in the meantime, I have at least three other potentially secret shows that I have to watch before I can get my <laughs> weeks on. Pilot out. <laughs> <laughs>